Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, The Final Stage of Recovery from Sexual Abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now, folks, today I have here with me Tracy Brown, who is going to be sharing with us about how to restore our relationship to food so we can eat intuitively and come home to our body. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I love to explore new ways to evolve and heal, and certainly when it comes to our diet and our health, this is such an area that's impacted by trauma. And when Tracy reached out to me and shared with me about the work that she's been doing in this field, I was like, oh yeah, she's got to be a guest, got to bring her on. Uh, Man, Tracy has so much in her background that's supporting her in this work. She's an RD, LDN, a somatic nutrition therapist and dietitian. She's an attuned eating coach, which I cannot wait to explore that further and hear more about that. And she's also using counseling skills and a teacher. 
she helps people come home to themselves through their bodies by healing their relationship with food and weight, as well as feel safer and less stressed in their bodies. And this is something that I'm really excited to explore with Tracy today, because that whole feeling of I'm not safe is such a core reason why we end up having a disordered relationship with food. So we're going to hear more that she, more that she has to offer and say about that. She's been doing this work since 2006 and has guided people one-on-one -on -one and in groups. So um, you can learn more about Tracy at tracybrownrd.com. And she's also going to be sharing with us a little bit about an intuitive eating quiz. I think that's what it is. She'll tell us more about it, which I'm very excited to hear about. So Tracy, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing this time with me. Well, Rachel, I'm already... Whew, I was trying to say my window tolerance here and be, you know, just very humbled. Thank you for the intro. And I almost felt actually in tears about your intro for your show as well, because that is the point of all this. I mean, this is hard work mm. and to have, some, to have hope. Um, yes. And to hear that in both of our voices and what we do, um, that's, the, that's the point of all this. So I'm humbled <laughs> and excited to be here. Thank you. Hell yeah, absolutely, Tracy. <laughs> so, um, we've got really um, some wonderful um, areas to cover today, but before we get into some of that, um, I'd love to hear uh, how you came into this work. You mentioned that you started in 2006, um, and you know what brought you to doing the work that you are doing today? Yeah, so probably like a lot of us who end up in these helping professions, uh, we're all, you know, a lot of us are wounded healers, and um, so I recovered from anorexia, binge eating, and um, exercise addiction compulsion um, in my late teens, early 20s. Um, and, you know, it's like, oh, you know, a lot of our traumas aren't remembered. So, and some of them are, and some mm -hmm. of them aren't. And a lot of times with disordered eating or chronic dieting, it's like you feel like it's just about, if I just get a thinner body or a better body or get healthier, I'll feel better about myself and everything will be fine. And then you get there and you realize, oh, mm. I'm not fine. And now I'm obsessed <laughs> and I'm kind of in a corner here. And so it became this long road back. And the way I healed wasn't through traditional, like, eat this, don't eat that. That actually colluded with a lot of my defensive strategies to avoid my feelings, which is mm. to not eat, to have food rules, to overexercise, to binge, to be out of my body. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't, want to, didn't know I didn't want to be embodied because then I would feel stuff that, my body remembered, but I didn't. Um, so it was this this long journey of like to get back into relationship with my food and my body. I had to give up the rules, and I really had to just relearn how to eat. And the only mm -hmm. way we can do that is how we learn when we were young is to learn to eat from hunger and fullness, mm. take risk. And that was the very short version of like my journey. And then how I teach people now is like you're not going to get. Um, rules and plans for me, you're going to get relearning how to eat again. Mm. Yeah, thank you for that, you know, little entry into your journey and, and the process that you've had to navigate in your own life um, to rebuild and, and almost like just learn in many ways how to eat. Um, we think that this is just something we know how to do, but not really. <laughs> I remember when I was a nanny uh, for many, many, many years, it was really fascinating, you know, to watch um, how the kids would eat and how I would have to curtail my own kind of food stories 
um, in order to not like, you know, oh, you need to eat more of that or, you know, five more bites or whatever it is, um, which is always coming, I think, from a loving, healthy, nurturing place when parents do that. But I think it does also contribute to getting us out of that place in which we know like what we need and are listening, you know, to that. Yeah. And that's what diet culture mm -hmm. teaches us. Yeah. And it colludes a lot of times with our past traumas of like, there's no yes means yes and no means no and attunement and attachment and boundaries and all that stuff. Diet culture is just like this amalgam of all that garbage in mm -hmm. the $60 billion industry. Mm -hmm. And it teaches us this embodiment and not trusting and somebody else knows better and what you know than our own body's wisdom and so um i think that's why unfortunately trauma and enus scores go so well together unfortunately it's because they're both very similar in um you know being out of the body because mm. you can't be trusted and it's not safe there you can't like with body size if you don't look a certain way you're pretty much sold and made to believe there's something wrong with you versus Maybe your lived experience in a bigger body was just fine until somebody mm -hmm. told you otherwise. Right, right. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing, right? You take like a, a plump, luscious, full-figured body, you know, out of 19, the 1900s, 2020s, all of this, and you put it back in, you know, the Renaissance, and it's like, yes, bring it, you know? No problem. Come here, honey. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, standards for, you know, male bodies and female bodies, they evolve and change, which mm -hmm. it's so hard to get out of that social construct, but that's one thing that does personally help me is when I look at you know if you if you see how it, it has continued to change like the 1920s flapper body right was a thing and then this was a type and then this was a type what is that actually telling us then about bodies and what's an okay body or what's a good body if it can change and evolve that's right yeah so much yeah one of the things you said there in your introduction um, that jumped out at me was this idea that the body remembers even when the conscious mind doesn't. And because we're holding that body memory of trauma, that we might act out of that without even being fully aware. I wonder if you could expand upon that a little bit more for our listeners and how do we know and what would that feel like and what oh. we might be, be experiencing and yeah. Well, for Odyssey, with me personally, I kind of always felt like there was this sense of always being revved up. I think I was just lived in sympathetic. And I don't know if that started in the womb or in zero through three hood or, you know, I can there have some, I guess, reasons why I might feel like way, that way earlier or um, later in life I can remember. But what that does, though, there's this always a sense of like being up and buzzy and on edge and internally tight. And if that's how your body container is speaking, and let's say that you go on a diet, you know, you might not feel so up and buzzy because you might feel a little numb or you might feel like you have more energy because you're always exhausted from all the anxiety and the revved up feeling or if it dips back down. So a lot of times, I mean, you're eating or not eating. It has a lot to do with what's happening in your nervous system, hmm. not always as much as what's going on with your actual biological hunger and fullness. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to get some other examples of what that would feel like. It's like say with dissociation, we we know that kind of feels a little like your edges are a little dulled. Like you yeah. don't really know like how I got here or what's going on or what did you just say? And if you're having that mental experience, so physiologically when you're in dorsal vagal, let's say, 
you're, you're kind of in hibernation. You don't feel as much. So when you're eating, you might eat more and surpass your comfortable fullness just to get really full so you can feel something. Interesting. And, not, and, and it's not always about like, oh, I'm binging and I feel out of control. It's like I'm overriding and I don't mean to, but cause mm-hmm. I'm, there's a sense of like feeling that there's something there for me. And that's an attachment thing, right? Yeah. And maybe some dorsal. If you're really up and buzzy, sometimes the only way you can feel like you just can feel like you're running off some of that adrenaline is literally by overexercising. Mm-hmm. Not because this mm-hmm. feels good and I'm getting fitter. You're just get, actually getting run down. But for a couple seconds there, maybe for an hour after, you're feeling like, yeah, calm because you just beat yourself down and ran all that adrenaline off. Nice. So, so those are some examples, maybe. Of yeah. I love that, Tracy. Let's break it down a little bit into the science because, um, you know, you got the degrees. You might as well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm a very much experiential learner, so I don't have that many degrees. They got a whole lot of time and money invested in training that there's no letters. <laughs> so let's Fair enough. That Fair enough. <laughs> so when you think about, um, let's just kind of think about it. So for our listeners who aren't as familiar with the idea of um, the vagus nerve and that we have kind of these two, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, Um, And that, you know, one branch of this kind of causes us to mostly be in kind of a numbed out, dissociative, you know, kind of sleepy, sluggy kind of state. And the other branch of this causes us to be in a little bit more activation. What you were describing is kind of that antsy anxiety. Um, Maybe you can just give us a little like nervous system 101 um, in brief. For people to have a sense I will do the best I can because I'm no expert. I just know enough to like cool. do the work. <laughs> so we, gosh, it is so good that we have these different parts of our survival system. Without it, we'd run out in front of cars and not or go in the woods and not like look around when you hear a noise. Or, you know, if we were in a car accident, you know, it's kind of good that we might black out because I don't want to feel the glass in my leg. I'm not trying to be triggery there, but like you want to feel these things. You want to be like able to survive. You want to know if you're hurt or these things are happening or there's danger approaching. Yeah. Right. So our sympathetic is just our fight or flight. We all heard of that. And it mobilizes us out of danger. You Mm -hmm. you either fight or you run. These are good things. If we, and that's the sympathetic and we all know that. Now there's a whole other part. It's not quite the same as sympathetic. Our vagus nerve is not really part of the sympathetic. It's another part of our brain nervous system, but the Parasympathetic has two parts, our ventral vagals, like from our diaphragm up, and it helps with connection and social social interaction and, um, yeah, just connection mostly. And then the other part is um, if our, our dorsal, and that's part of our survival system. So if things are going, if things are too much, you know, just slow things down. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like deactivate a lot of that. And we don't want to be slamming up and down. We want to have this big, nice, wide window to live in to where it's like we can be calm and alert and problem solve and manage stress without smaller daily stressors feeling like a really big deal. Big deal. When these two are too on and activated too much, we don't have as much of this. And we're just up and down a lot versus Mm -hmm. like we get activated when we should. Yeah. In daily life, like eating is a niche trigger yeah but eating disorders that's part of the coupling is that like we've had so much too much or too much not enough whether it's care support Mm. safety or too much chaos shame whatever 
that gets us so up or down like this that we don't have, we don't really know what is safe anymore. Fascinating. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down. That I think that really is a, a unique perspective that, that I, I'm hearing you share that sometimes this idea of I'm going to eat and I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat is because we're in that kind of numbed freeze. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what mm -hmm. I think I heard you said is we're in that free state. The dorsal branch of our, our parasympathetic nervous system is basically kind of in charge and yeah. doing its thing. And so it's like, we're using food to try to wake up, to try to feel something, connect. Yeah, and it's one, and everybody has their own, um, their own strategy. Things get, things can get coupled in a thousand okay. different ways. Oh, so sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you think about certain, you know, everything's on a spectrum. Like a lot of times, like you know you're sad, not just have this like diffuse, like if you're really activated, like you can't label sad, but you can feel like there's a threat. You can't say I'm sad yet because there's still some work to do, do to like untwist like yeah. body sensations for what they are. Like there's hunger fullness. And sometimes that you could have anger that we can misidentify as hungry or not hungry versus mm. that's anger. <laughs> you know, that's not your right. hunger signal. But anyway, but we can eat, we can be a sympathetic and I call it gravying, where we're eating because maybe we're kind of anxious, but we don't label anxious. We label, eh, eh, we feel hungry, this. I need the munchies. I got to myself. Yeah. Or purging because I got a lot of rage that I'm, I, it's under the surface and I can't go there. Yeah. So we're purging. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a, it's a pretty aggressive action. So right. it's an action of that. Or we're restricting because, like, I'm going to get numb from that. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing down below, like you can like be, I have clients that like are kind of freezy and like, I didn't know that I went eight hours. I didn't eat. I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean to. It is because of that kind of feeling and they kind of know here they kind of need to, but then it gets lost again. And, you know, mm -hmm. so there's some restriction on that and it looks different from the restriction up here. Okay. And learning how to track your body state makes sense then from your behaviors will like they match they match up of like what's happening yes. in state awesome and so that's when we start to move out of this kind of disordered eating and we have that body intuition coming into play more and more well the intuition can happen once we get into some hopefully some safe information and safe relationship about how like one full permission to eat like humans need to eat people mm -hmm. need for nutrition and pleasure and Sometimes we even eat for emotion. The goal is to like know you're doing it. What's happening? <laughs> know what's up. <laughs> okay. What's happening? It's like, yeah, it's like Friday night and I'm kinda, I kind of want to have some fun, but not going out. So ordering pizza would be fun. That's yeah. a fun experience. But you're aware like this isn't my only way to have fun. Mm, okay. There's a difference between like I'm eating and I don't know that I'm missing fun in my life. And so pizza is a stand in for fun versus, yeah. It's, it's Friday night. A way of having fun in my life, it's along a way with of having fun in my life. Okay. Yeah. So there's awesome. These nuances. So with intuitive eating, it's like first you're learning just that, like, yes, humans have a way of eating without being told what to do, and it's our hunger fullness signals. They exist and they always have. It's mm. just that we've gotten cut off from them because we've gotten overwhelmed because somebody told us what to do for too long. We lose trust in ourselves or whatever. Right. Right. So the first things are like 
that intuition kind of gets back on board when you can sit still long enough and be present long enough just to notice some stuff and have to build okay. awareness. And then honoring starts to happen when you notice like, you know, I, I know that diet culture says I shouldn't be eating carbs, but like, I don't like, all I want to eat is carbs. Well, you probably you better eat the carbs then. <laughs> Otherwise, you're supposed to be obsessing and you're probably going to eat on the back end anyway. Anyway. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Awesome. So let's pause there for a moment. And when we come back after our break, we'll talk more about what intuitive eating really is and how we can cultivate that and, and really start to tune in more to our, our full hunger signals. Yeah? Okay. Awesome. Are you ready to put your fears of abandonment behind you so you can have happy, healthy relationships? The fear of abandonment is extremely common in those of us who have been abused. When it comes to abandonment, we are very much driven by the fear of the unknown. We don't know if the people we are connecting to may one day withdraw their protection or support. People always leave can be a common inner belief we hold. Boy, have I been there. And I am going to share with you what helped me put an end to this paralyzing fear in my Overcome the Fear of Abandonment Masterclass. By downloading this masterclass, you will gain access to my proven process that will help you feel more confident and secure so you can have relationships that last. I'll also help you identify the toxic behaviors that keep you trapped in a cycle of abandonment and fear, and I'll also help you explore strategies for putting an end to sabotaging all your relationships. Go to rachelgrantcoaching.com slash abandonment dash class to get your MP3 of this masterclass today. Now, back to our show. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So um, before the break, Tracy, you were sharing with us a little bit about how we can begin to shift out of disordered eating by remembering how to eat, <laughs> really, right. at the end of the day, like at connecting day. back in, you know, to yeah. what we already intuitively know that we've become disconnected from. So could you give us a simple definition of what intuitive eating actually yeah, is? Sure. I would love to give some definitions and like, I like to, I'm pretty practical, so I like to give, like, here's kind of some stages yes, and steps please. so people aren't surprised and freak themselves out. If it, you know, they try something and doesn't work, well, maybe there's a piece missing. So intuitive eating, I kind of use the word attuned because mm. it's not always intuitive to eat when you're not hungry first in recovery. It's, or it's not always intuitive to, like, sometimes eat mechanically because you don't know how you feel. So anyway, mm -hmm. but intuitive eating or attuned eating is just this process of learning how to eat based on hunger and fullness most of the time, not all the time, because sometimes, again, we eat for fun, we eat because the cookies are hot out of the oven, no mm -hmm. big deal, <laughs> or we get sick and we don't feel like eating, Yeah. you know, because, like, I've got the flu and nothing sounds like the crackers and broth, and you live on that for three days, you're not going to die, you right. know, and your body will rev back up and give you more accurate signals again, And but it's all part of this process of, like, learning how to... Um, be in your body enough to get signals of what you need, when you need it, how much. Learn to honor that and respect that. And um, it's really flexible, to be honest. But it's yeah. it's kind of radically simple, but it's not really that simple to do in practice if you've been disconnected from your signals for a long time. 
Okay. So kind of what I want to share about that is the first step is there's this idea of like you've got to like ditch diet culture. It's just, okay. it's not going to work. You can't really have a foot in both camps. It's like, I want to lose weight and like, and get this certain body and then eat from hunger and fullness. So they're like at cross purposes. Okay. There's a level of like, we have to like let go of trying to control our food, which mm-hmm. I know sounds really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like, I can see all my listeners going, what? Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't really? that mean I'm just going to eat candy every single day? And that's, the, <laughs> and that's diet culture conditioning that like, exactly. if we don't control our food, we can't be trusted. We'll be and out of control. That is so, we should say that again, girlfriend, because that is so powerful right there. If I don't control my food, what was the rest of your thought? That will, if I, if I don't have, I can't be trusted. Yeah, yeah. And that, so isn't that so, like, ugh, too sticky with our trauma mm. histories, too, of, like, people right. won't listen to me and are not believed and it didn't happen and my experience definitely happened. It's it so, it's like a natural next step for a lot of people mm-hmm. because of that. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a springboard. But that's what diet culture teaches. You can't be trusted. Right. You don't have the right BMI, so you must have done something wrong. What's wrong Ooh. with you? Yes. Right? Okay. And that's the messaging. You go to the doctor when you're 12 and you're going through puberty. Oh, my gosh. Right. Oh, my gosh. How the, You just took me back to high school. They walk you in in a row. You got to get on the scale with all your girlfriends. Oh, Everybody's stuff, right? Oh, it's so bad. If so we really bad. think about like this toxic soup we live in of like mm. there's only one right by to have mm-hmm. and you got to eat a certain way to get there. And if that doesn't work, it's your fault versus the research is very clear that 95% of the time, that's just the, the average study of what they say. It could be 86 to 99, whatever. Mm-hmm. That if you try to go on a diet to control your body, your body's going to rebel and try to get back yeah. to like some kind of homeostasis within six months to two years. Yeah. That's not your fault. It's just going to happen. It doesn't yeah. matter how much you try to, I mean, the people who can live on really low calories have eating disorders. You mm-hmm. know, that, that's not a sign of like thrived living normal eating. Yeah. To maintain, like to weight suppress yourself below your set point. Long-term, you're just going to be disordered to do that. Okay. So what I'm really hearing so strongly from you there is that one of the first steps towards developing intuitive eating or capacity for intuitive eating is to really reframe what we're up to when it comes to food, that it's not about restricting, it's not about something controlling something, we're not good if we, you know, ate a certain number of carbs a day, these sorts of things. Where do we go from there? Yeah, so I love this. So it's like, we're recognizing this, we just live in this soup, we all have this conditioning whether we're dieters or not, there's just like, we think that there's a right way or wrong way. What I say, what if we framed it in, there's a supportive way, any given meal or snack to eat, and maybe not a supportive way. And sometimes the most supportive thing you can do is, yeah, eat, yeah, the protein was a thing because you feel more blood sugar stabilized and you have better energy. Sometimes the most supportive thing to do with that same meal the next day is like, you know what? Oh, I, I, if I, if I eat that protein, I'm so dissatisfied. I'm going to be rummaging through the cabinet. I just need to go ahead and eat the extra dinner roll versus the whatever, mm-hmm. because that's, I'm going to be satisfied. And like healthy eating isn't really just about like how much nutrient dense food you can jam down your throat. It's really about this physical, mentally, emotional, even spiritual supportive mm-hmm. experience. Support. Wow. 
That's amazing. Supportive, like really attuned and really supportive. Like what Food is my as support. Girl, you blew my mind. Like <laughs> yeah, nice. We can have a relationship with our bodies because when we can um, do that, I think it repairs so much more than what's on our plate. This is just a re- repaired relationship with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Being yes. in the world and trusting ourselves and people again. And if we can do that with food, I know that we can do that with bigger stuff. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So, so ditching dieting, and I know that's a mind blow, but it's like, it doesn't make people thinner. It doesn't make people healthier. It just makes people more obsessed and not trust mm. themselves. Mm. Okay. So we want to start with like this full permission to eat. Now full permission doesn't, to eat doesn't mean the free for all doesn't matter. Your body though will give you signals of like, I don't want to eat any more of this. Yeah. Or yeah. if like, I'm really feeling like I'm eating this, that doesn't mean you're dieting. If you want to eat a salad, it just means you need to eat your body wants you to eat a salad or if you're eating lots of bread, it's like, doesn't mean that you're binging out. It just means maybe you need more carbs because it's mm. your cycle coming or you have been sick or you have been disconnected and accidentally under eating. You know, right. There's a lot of reasons why we need to eat that aren't intellectual mm-hmm. that we can't, we can't always measure, you know, it's body feedback. Yeah. And learning how to trust that. I think I experienced that a little bit this past holiday season and, you know, over the the Christmas holiday with friends, you know, boy, isn't that a ripe time for all of our food stuff to come up? Oh, yeah, yeah. People say, oh, stop my diet in the new year, right? It's such, you're you're so right. It's like such a strong mentality that we're doing something bad and I'll be good starting January 1st. And this was really, I think, you know, one of the first years where I was able to get out of that construct and I was like, I am just going to nourish myself and enjoy and eat and then I were on the other side of that like for the the three days after the holiday like I was so not hungry and I was like and I had to battle this idea of well I should be eating my breakfast like I always do I should be having the full dinner but all I really wanted for dinner was like some crackers and cheese you know but but listening to myself in that moment and finding that little bit of balance of like yes I had this wonderful indulging enjoying nourishing um, pecan pie every night, kind of, you know, yeah. moment. So let me ask you a question, Rachel. Yeah. How mm. many, so you had pecan pie almost, I don't know how many nights in oh, a row. Oh, like three nights, like a three slice of days. pecan pie, three nights in a row, yeah. So were you feeling like it on the fourth or fifth day? Did you even think about it? No, girl, I was like, okay, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Satiated, so that's, done. That's a testimony to everybody listening. It's like the body is not going to want too much of anyone thing. If we are in this space of really listening and, and being present, eating to like the satisfaction place, the body's like, mm, I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to get back to some other stuff and it always will work this way. And I know you have experience of like watching little kids eat that way. Yes. Right. We're adults. I mean, we were once those kids. We can do that again. And that's what this whole framework is really about is learning to come back home to our bodies the way we're kind of meant to eat. It's just that I know that those, we've got a lot of mental emotional stuff that's right. in our culture in our face about it how we can't do that and then we have our own experience like our personal experiences so there's right. the micro and the macro of like you're dismantling layers of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to add that how do you do this well some people need to use like a little tool to like the hunger and fullness chart that helps them like I don't even know how I feel or what this means so I have lots of little tools that can help people not okay. tell them what to do but have little, little guideposts you know like little prompts of like a way to help them check in with themselves just check-in points basically that okay. aren't meant to be like you follow this forever like a meal plan but they're just little 
tools when you're in that middle state, beginning stage of like, I don't know what any of this is supposed to feel like. I don't have a label for this, you know, because mm -hmm. I've been in my head for 20 years following somebody else's plan. I don't know what I'm supposed to feel right. or do. Right. Yeah. So it really is relearning. And, and I, 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 I'm, that's right up my alley because, you know, so much of what trauma, trauma does is it just disconnects us in a lot of different ways. And we kind of learn all the wrong lessons. And I think a part of that is certainly um, food and, you know, using food for safety and, and all these things that we've been talking about today. So coming home to the body and using food as support. These are some really beautiful ideas and thoughts that you've shared with us today. And I know we could probably go on for another two hours because oh, yeah. there is so much to say on this topic. Have we missed anything? Is there anything we want to make sure that we get in here before well, we start? I think the, so it's like the, you know, so I'm in my own little bubble and niche of like, you know, non-diet practitioners and stuff. And you know, we're always kind of helping people, you know, make peace with food and ditch dieting and work on body image and joyful movement versus punitive exercise and stuff like that. The piece that I add to this, that mix, is using the body as a resource. So if you're feeling rubbed up before a meal, do a plank. Push out some of the adrenaline and then check back in. Or if you're feeling really kind of fuzzy, you know, you might need to go hang out in your um, your hammock a little bit or do some goo breath or do some stuff to juice up your system again if you don't know what you want or what to mm. do and use that, use your body versus trying to overthink it. Sometimes mm. we just need to eat. We, we just don't know exactly how to reach for it or what we want. And some of the somatic tools and skills I'm sure you teach and that I teach that we don't necessarily think about how to use with food, I say use that with food to help you mm. get more connected. That way you have like a, a springboard if you feel lost or stuck. And we know how that feels if you don't know what to do. We get a little right. scared and rubbed up. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. So everybody listening, please go to Tracy's website because there is so much more to learn and so many great resources that she has available there. Of course, her programs, too. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how people can continue to connect with you. So there's TracyBrownRD.com. Um, no. Yes, rd.com, um, embodieddietitian.com. They can find you on Facebook under Tracy Brown RD. And can you tell them a little bit about the intuitive eating quiz? And um, we want to make sure, sure we give them the URL for that too. Yeah, I actually don't think I have that URL memorized. I'll have to give it to you. But um, um, probably the easiest way is to go to the website. Oh, I have it here. I have it here too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. So um, the intuitive eating quiz is just like a little touch point to see like, you know, how connected are you and how much of your worries about weight are in the mix of disconnecting you or how much of it is about something else. And it just kind of gives you a starting place, like where okay. you're at, like how much you know, how much connection do you have? And it just kind of scores a little bit of like what you probably need to focus on. basically. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, I, Oh, go ahead. I, was saying, the, uh, I my website just has a lot of lots of resources about all these topics. Um, but I do a lot of lives and videos, like teaching videos, kind of like these topics we're talking about on my Facebook, just because people learn in relationship. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that piece of yeah. paper is a little cold. And I think it's important to feel um, as someone else is talking and you're looking at them, like the, the somatic stuff that's happening in your body. So you know, like, oh, that's Those the good old mirror neurons. Yes, yeah, yes, I'm yes. You might know something, but if you're not able to right. act on it, your body's responding, that's yeah. a sign that that's something that wants to be spoken. Mm. 
Beautiful. Awesome. So to get that um, quiz, folks, you're going to go to tracybrownrd um, slash, no, 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 let's start over, tracybrownrd.com slash intuitive dash quiz. And that link and all of the other links will be in our show notes as well. So just click and go. And Tracy, I just want to thank you so very much for being here and sharing your wisdom. I've taken away some really great reframes from our conversation and inspiration to continue shifting away and out of and freeing myself from the diet culture and coming more and more into just trusting myself. And I think that's a really beautiful lesson um, for all of us. Any final words of encouragement for our listeners? I just want to encourage, especially people who are feeling, um, you know, really scared by a little bit of the message of like, yeah. you're going to, if you stop dieting or controlling your food, that you're going to be out of control. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't always like that. There was a time, maybe you don't remember it, or maybe it's just been a long time ago where your body, like you follow kind of the lead of your body. And I know to come home to that, that means you're going to be in your body when you're also trying to navigate this, maybe other, you know, kind of get to the other, other side of like, you know, trauma and, and be more in, in post-traumatic growth. And so if you're wrestling with like signals and feeling sensations in my body that mm. are so fun, be really yeah. gentle and be really patient. If you need to follow some like really gentle structure, not to undereat and learn the difference. I mean, that's, that's okay too. I mean, you don't have to just go jump right in because it's a lot. Mm. Yes. Great words of wisdom, folks. Take that, put it in the bank, use it. <laughs> and yes, thank you again, Tracy, so much for your time and your expertise and this beautiful work that you're doing out in the world. Just so appreciate you and look forward to staying in touch. And for those of you listening, thank you very much for being here and um, listening today. Don't forget to pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com as well to check out the resources that are available. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a note, and um, come back next time because we have so much more to share. And until then, take good care of you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.